Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Bless the speaking and the hearing of your word. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And we'll have fun, fun, fun till the daddy takes the T-bird away. Very good. Some of the younger kids need to hear this song later today if you guys haven't played it for them before. We'll have fun until dad takes the T-bird away. When you think about something being taken away or if, it, if someone's going to take away something from you, it always seems to have a negative connotation for us, especially in that song, right? We're going to have fun in this car until dad takes it away from us. And it, oftentimes in our lives, that's how we feel about something being taken away. If you take away something, it's a negative. So if you're a little kid uh, and you're uh, not sharing uh, something with uh, somebody else, maybe this is in school or with your, your siblings or whatever, then mom or dad might take away the toy that you're fo- fighting over, and this is seen as a punishment. If you are a teenager uh, and your parents take away your phone, how do you feel about this? Very sad says one of the adults in the room. As you get older, uh, and maybe you lose some of the faculties or things that you've taken for granted, and they say, you know what, you can't have your driver's license anymore. I have to take that away from you. This is not received well by us. We don't like things being taken away from us. And typically when you think of it, something getting taken away, it is almost always a negative thing. But almost always is the key. Because sometimes in our lives, when you have something taken away from you, it can actually be a good thing. Let me illustrate a little bit here. Sorry to give away the mystery, but I'm going to use my puppets to do this. Okay. All right. Hold on. Sure, I can do this. What am, I, what am I trying to do right now? I'm trying to carry too many things, right? I'm trying to carry too, I'm trying to hold, hold all of my puppets at once here, and even ones that you haven't seen yet. Um, I'm trying to hold all of these puppets, and so we know that if you're trying to carry too much in life, or if you're trying to juggle it all, that it's good when someone takes something away from you and carries it for you. And that I mean that not only in the physical sense, but as you're making connections in your mind and heart to stuff, too much stuff in your life, whether that's activities, um, relationship dynamics, work, uh, things that are just crowding your head and heart. Uh, sometimes there's just too much. You're trying to carry too many things. Uh, and if, it's not always just a matter of the amount of things. Sometimes the stuff that we are holding onto in our lives, it's not that it's, there's too much of it, but simply that it's bad. Like it's not good for us. I mean, any, any of us who have dealt ourselves or with someone that we love who has suffered from uh, addictions or substance abuse problems knows that it's not the quantity, it's the thing itself. It needs to be taken away. Uh, and that can happen for us whether it's recognized by our wider society as a problem or not. I mean, if you are a workaholic and your kids never know you, sometimes you need someone to take away 
all of that effort on your part. I mean, you guys can think of this just in your own lives, things in your, that they even seemed good to you for you to carry them or to hold on to them. But once someone actually makes the offer or better, makes the grab, right, and just takes it away from you, it's actually a good thing. Now today, as we heard in our scripture, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, and this is how he describes Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away. I don't know about you, but I usually think of Jesus as a giver, right? He gives me his attention and his time. He answers my prayers. Uh, he, in, in the Gospels, you see him uh, giving healing to people, giving attention to people who don't deserve it. He's a giver. He gives tons of wine at his first miracle in, uh, in Cana, right? He gives. But here, John points out to us that Jesus also takes and he takes away the sin of the world. Now, notice that John, in describing Jesus this way, does not say he takes away all y'all's sin. So John is including himself here. John's in the world, right? Uh, so when Jesus takes away the sin of the world, John's including himself in that. He's a human being. And I think this is interesting because... When I think of John, I don't think of him as a sinner. I know that he is, right? I know Paul says all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. If you're a human, if you're not Jesus, you're a sinner. So I know in my mind that John is, but I never think of him that way. He just seems so holy. He seems so different from the world. He seems like he's, I, don't, I wouldn't say he's got it all together. He's wearing camel hair and eating locust and honey, but, but he's certainly different uh, and not in the sinful sort of way that I think of, but he's including himself here. So we have to come to grips. What is he, how is he seeing himself as sinner? I mean, I don't see him, you know, smoking and listening to rock and roll and, you know, do whatever the thing is that we correlate uh, with sin or whatever. So what's his sin? How does he see it? Well, if you go to the, the section just before this, and I'm not saying you have to open up, but although some of you like to do this, follow along in your, in your Bibles. If you go to the section just before, uh, in verse 19, people come out to John and it's the le leaders in Jerusalem sending priests and Levites out to him and they say, who are you? Are you the one that we were expecting. And I don't know if Buddy got a hair on me or what. Okay, there we go. Um, they say, are you the one that we were expecting? Are you the Christ, the appointed one? Now, if people come out to you and ask you if you are the one, it means you're doing some pretty amazing things. John is obviously gathering large crowds of people to what he has to say and do. He's getting a following. He's getting influence. And so when people come out to him and say, are you the Messiah? Uh, there's probably a temptation for John. Don't you think? Now he answers here. He says, I am not the Christ. They say, are you Elijah? No. Are you a prophet? I am not. Right? Finally, they say, well, then who are you? And he says, I'm the one who does this, who points to the one. That's who I am. But you have to imagine that John might have felt some temptation to believe that maybe he was the one. I mean, I, I don't know. John is a strange enough character and he's 2,000 years removed and in another culture. <laughs> but I know human nature. 
And he's a human being. And do you think maybe he was tempted a little bit by some of the power and some of the influence that he had? I mean, are you and I ever tempted by some of the power or influence that we have? Have you ever had the thought or said out loud, you know, if I were in charge of this thing, I would do it like this. You know what that person's problem is? They just don't understand this. And if they, ch- if they changed it and did it like this, right, what are we doing? <laughs> we're asserting our power in this situation. My father-in-law does this kind of in a funny way. He just goes f- fully for it. And he says, if I were king of the world, right, this is how we would set it up. And we do that. Whatever our little spheres of influence or power might be, I mean, they, they can be just in our families and relationships, they can be in workplaces, they can be in public positions, whatever they are, uh, we tend to think we know a little bit better about this. And if we had just a little bit more power, a little bit more influence here, things could be just a little bit better. I know that's true of every single one of us, and therefore it's got to be true of John. Maybe he was tempted to believe the same thing about himself, that maybe, maybe if I'm not the one, I'm awfully close. Maybe I should have a little bit more influence or power over people. Maybe I should step into this role that they're all asking me to take on. I think that is probably a dynamic for John. And John is a truth teller for us. I mean, that is the greatest gift that he gives to us through God's word. He is a truth teller and he sees the truth about himself and his situation. Because even though I don't think of John as a sinner, he sees himself that way, and he actually helps you and I to see what sin actually is and isn't in light of how he views himself, right? With John, sin is not just, you know, uh, having fun, fun, fun till dad takes the T-bird away. Isn't that usually how we frame it in our culture, right? That sin is fun stuff that other people don't want you to enjoy. It's just you not getting to be you, you not being able to be free, and enjoy yourself. And that's not, we know that that is not actually, sin is not just fun stuff that other people want to keep you from. (laughs) That is not what it is. And sin is not just a majority preferences of the group. It's not just if, if enough of us agree that this isn't a problem, it's okay, right? If enough of us approve of this, it'll work. John sees himself as a sinner, and he sees sin as what it actually is at its root, It is trying to take God's place and being crushed under the burden. I want to say that again for you. Sin is trying to take God's place and then being crushed under the burden. You see this with Adam and Eve. This is what the sin is for them. Notice that, you know, on the face of it, the, the thing that they do doesn't seem that terrible to any of us. But what is it that they're doing? God says, don't eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? When you do, you're going to know evil and then you're not going to depend on me. And they say, well, I mean, maybe God needs our help. Maybe he's getting tired of always having to talk to us about everything. Maybe we, if we could just do it on our own, then we could give him a break from having to be God for a little bit, right? I mean, that's what's going on here when they reject this command from God. They decide they're going to know it themselves, and then everything starts to unravel, right? They are crushed under the burden of trying to be God, right? Discerning between good and evil, and they can't see anything. They can't see God for who he is. They hide from him in fear, 
rather than welcoming him as love, right? They fight with each other. Their relationship with all of creation is completely messed up. And this is still our dynamic. And when you look at the Ten Commandments, they're not just uh, kind of culturally situated do's and don'ts. They all relate to our attempts to play God in some way or another. Whether it's just having another God before him and creating idols, or even like honoring the Sabbath. I always think about this. You would think that God saying, take a break, don't work, would be the easiest command to follow for us. But God, you don't understand how important I am. Like, you don't realize how much I'm needed right now. This has to get done, God. I can't stop. I can't stop from doing this. Think about that. <laughs> when, when, we, when God is talking about our relationships with each other, right, killing or stealing or whatever, it's us placing ourselves above another and deciding their fate, right? I'm in charge of what you deserve and what happens to you. Every one of those commands at its core is us trying to take God's place and then being crushed under the burden of it because we can't handle it. And so John is telling you and me this morning, just don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype about yourself. Don't believe the false hype about a John the Baptist. Don't believe the false hype about other people in your life, right? Don't believe the hype. But where are you and I drawn into this? Maybe it's in uh, romantic relationships. My dad was visiting last week and took us to see the latest, uh, it's the Top Gun sequel. I didn't realize you could do sequels 35 years after the fact, but there you go. Um, and uh, of course, Tom Cruise is as mavericky as ever in it. But it reminded me of uh, one of his other films uh, that he did years back. It's an older uh, movie, I suppose, depending on your perspective, called Jerry Maguire. You guys remember this one? It's a kind of a romantic comedy type thing. And what is the thing that he says to, the love, to his love interest to finally win her over? It's not show me the money. That's the other line in there. What is it that he says? You complete me. Do you think anyone can actually handle that burden? You complete me. Nobody can do that. I love you till death do us part. We're going to struggle through things together, right? Uh, there's a lot of things I like about you, a lot of things I, I hate about you. <laughs> but you complete me? No human being can handle it. And yet, oftentimes... Uh, especially in, in, in our day-to-day, -day, we, we put too much on another human being in our romantic relationships, right? You're going to bring me total happiness or something like this. It's too much. I mean, that, that line in that movie is like a canary in the mine to me, right? I mean, it's just like not something that humans were created for. We can't, we can't bear that kind of burden. Maybe that's a place where you have felt yourself drawn in. Another place might be in vicarious living, right? You, you had a particular experience yourself that didn't work out quite right, but you're going to make sure your son or daughter does not have that same thing. You're going to guarantee that they succeed where you failed in that, right? You're just going to live through their successes. You're going to try to hype them up to being able to do the thing that wasn't working out as well for you. Or we just do this generally with our celebrities. We build them up so that we can tear them down, right? We expect them to have some sort of godlike status in making our lives better, and then they fail us in some way. Or it just happens in your everyday stuff, right? This person is the savior of our 
work. Finally, this person's going to come in and fix all the things that are problem, problems in our office politics, right? <laughs> or this person's going to, this person's going to be the savior of our family dynamics and the struggles that we're having. Or this person's going to be the savior of our politics. Or you name it, right? We are placing this hype on people that cannot handle it, including ourselves. So John says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he also says at the end that Jesus is the Son of God. So Jesus is the Lamb of God and he is the Son of God. Do you know who can handle being God? It's the Sunday school answer. Jesus, right? Jesus actually can handle being God. He is the Son of God. He is the Lamb who can take the burden away and can bear it for you and for me. And you can't overhype Jesus because he is God in the flesh and he frees us from trying to be that ourselves. And so today, John and Jesus are inviting us to consider what burdens we are carrying, what hype in our own lives we are trying to live into. Maybe for you it's guilt in some capacity, something that uh, you feel terrible about even from years ago, and it, it may be an old wound, but it doesn't take much for it to be an open wound. Or maybe it's something that you feel trapped in, like Paul describes in Romans 7, right? The good I would, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Maybe you just feel stuck in some sort of cycle. That's a burden that you carry. Maybe it's powerlessness over a situation, a situation in a relationship or with your health or something like this where you're feeling like, if only I could just get a hold of this, then I could solve this problem for myself or for others. Maybe it's judgment of somebody else in your life. You, know, you don't often think of this as a burden, but it is. Because you're stuck in this position of feeling like you need to met out the justice, right? Vengeance is mine, declares me. Whatever the situation is. And so maybe you're holding on to some judgment of somebody else. And believe me, it's a burden to carry that. Maybe it's pride. And a fear of letting go of something that you think you should be able to solve. That you should be in control of for other people. Maybe it's fear of looking weaker or incapable of something to other people. Whatever your experience of this burden of sin, it has been taken away from you. It has been taken away from you. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. And notice that I'm not saying to you, Hey, guys, you need to give it over to him. Jesus doesn't ask any of our permission. He just comes and he takes. And what a blessed relief that is. Like it or not, he has already taken that burden from you. It doesn't belong to you anymore. He is the Son of God who bears your burden because he can. And he is the Lamb of God who was crushed for your sin. Everything in your life that is a burden too great has already been placed on Jesus. And therefore, you are free. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.